Welcome to the Craft of Memory. I'm your host, Ronald Johnson. On this show, we seek to recover this beautiful art. For memory without conscious design is like an uncatalogued library. We believe this is a skill that anyone could learn. And the question is, will you seek to hone this craft? You are now listening to episode two. I recently had the wonderful opportunity to speak with Grace Smith. She is a young and talented memory athlete, and recently she got second place at the 2021 U.S. Memory Championship. So without further ado, let us get into the episode. Hope you all enjoy, and thanks for listening. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into memory sports? Um, Okay, so I am a sophomore at Penn State where I study linguistics as my major and I'm a double minor in history and voice performance. In my free time, I do a lot of music stuff and I rock climb and also I am a memory athlete Um, and I got into memory sports because um, so I'm from Kansas, Pennsylvania. I went to high school there and my high school gifted teacher uh, had us play a little memory game during one of our like fun Fridays. And I sort of was beating everyone um, and like it wasn't even close. And she was like, Grace, you're so good at this game. What are you doing on Saturday? I was like, oh my, what do you mean, Mrs. Miller? And she said, well, we have a memory competition on Saturday and you can just come and, and you can compete and your scores won't count for anything. Don't worry. But maybe I think you'd really like it. And so it was at, it was at uh, I think, the Hershey Hotel and, or the Hershey Lodge. And I went and I just had no idea what to expect. Um, and then we were given, you know, the four normal qualifying events, um, names and faces, poetry, speed numbers and speed cards. And I was called up by Karen Pinson, um, who runs, you know, USA Memory Champion Championship at the end of the competition when everyone's scores were tallying. And she was like, I just wanted to let you know if you had competed in the competition, you would have ended up third out of everybody. Oh, wow. And, and I was like, are you, oh my gosh, are you serious? And cause I had no, I've never heard of this before. Like I had no idea, like I had any skill in it. Um, and I, I was a little freshman in high school, you know, and my team was there competing and I ended up, you know, doing really well. So um, since then, I joined the memory team at my high school and I competed with them my sophomore and junior year. Obviously, COVID cut my senior year short. And then I decided to compete as an individual this year. Oh, nice. So um, so you have you had a memory team at high school? Yeah. So we had a lot of like academic sort of little niche clubs um, in high school. Uh, I was the captain my junior year, um, which was super fun. We just meet like once a month and practice for the events and like got ready for the competition, which was um, in the spring usually. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Um, So share with us your experience at the 2021 U.S. Memory Championship. Um, What were some of your highlights? Um, It was really different for me. because a lot of them, you know, it was a different location, first of all. So it was a bit of a hike. Um, it was also um, the first time, I guess not the first time, I did compete in the individual championships in 2018, but like I never, I hadn't been with my team. I was just sort of, you know, 
uh, by myself. I, my favorite thing about all the memory competitions is always like the people there. Um, there were a lot more young people um, at this one, which was really fun. Like Caitlin and McKenna and Michael, and we all talked and that was really fun to see like more college kids and even high school kids like competing. Um, also nice to see some young women. Um, not a lot of, it's a very male dominated field um, recently. Yeah. So it's really nice to see that. Um, and obviously Nelson and John, um, this is, it's been a couple of years I've competed with them and I love the performance aspect of it as well, which is something you don't get um, doing the team competition because it's all like written qualifiers. So I really love, you know, being on stage and, and interacting with the audience and stuff like that. So um, did you feel nervous at any point or, or how was it? Um, performing? Well, yeah. So people comment all the time about how relaxed I look on stage. And I think, well, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm a performance minor. I've, I've always been a performer. I used to do like theater when I was a kid and like up until high school. And I, I love being on stage and very comfortable there. Um, and I think it's something that really helps me because I like don't have to necessarily worry about like getting nervous and forgetting things. And I think it's because if I do get nervous, like all the information gets squeezed out of my brain sort of. So I have to be relaxed in order to like let the information like sit there and flow. And <clears throat> I've been lucky enough to like have um, a couple of good competitions under my belt. So I like can be confident in my skills and, you know, know that like being nervous is only going to hurt me. Um, especially like with things like words, like I had a really good session with words this year. I memorized most I've ever memorized and we didn't get the, all the way there, obviously, but like just trusting in myself that I've done it before and I can do it again is really helpful. Yeah. I really like the, the random words event. And, um, I remember that you mentioned that you memorized 10 words at a time and that you felt that it was quicker to do it than the uh, traditional approach. So uh, can you tell us exactly your approach to this event? Did you use a memory palace or was it simply uh, linking a, a group of words with a story one after the other? Um, what was your approach to that? Yeah, so I think I may be atypical in the people you talk to and that um, I sort of avoid memory palaces. Um, I don't know why, it just, uh, they're not my favorite. Um, and I'm not as comfortable with them. So with words, I just I take, it doesn't have to be 10 words necessarily. It's usually between like 10 and 15 words. And I just link them all together using a story. And it's always a completely ridiculous story. Like makes no sense. Even when I say it out loud, like doesn't make any semantic sense. Um, but because the images are so weird, um, they just stick in my brain easier. And then I just have to remember how to link the last word of one story with the first word of the next, because I can, that's the main issue I run into isn't forgetting words. It's forgetting which chunk comes next. Uh, got you. Got you. So, so how do you avoid um, confusing the order when you're linking uh, the group of words? So let's say you have 10 to 15 words. Um, is it difficult to always know the sequential order or sometimes do you do you swap um, the words when you're using the, the link method? I tell you what, I've never swapped. I have dropped a couple. I'm trying to think of an example from the competition and see if I can remember. Actually, let me go pull out. I think I still have the list of words in my room. I'm going to go grab it. 
Okay. Yeah, here it is. Okay, so for example, um, at the competition, um, one of the chunks of words was star wine aquarium trial cabinet fell, right? That wasn't the whole chunk. The chunk was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 12 words long. Um, but so my story for that was like, there was a star who was drinking wine sitting by the aquarium during a trial, right? So that was the first part of the story, a star meaning like a performer. So to, because each word has a specific role, like in the story, it's not like everyone is a noun or everyone is like a verb. Um, it's not just, it's not just a list. It's like a narrative sequence. It's much easier for me to continue, like walk along that story because like, it could be like six different things in the same scene, but they're all different in my head. I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure. I've never had, I've never even encountered the issue of, of swapping. I I'm dropping is sometimes an issue. For example, the one I have here is player hatred package aircraft. So my story for that was like the player unleashed his hatred on the package aircraft, which a package aircraft isn't a thing. So I do remember dropping package in my recall um, because package and aircraft were linked, but the were both like one idea, but aircraft was the more significant of those two ideas. So package was, was kind of dropped because it wasn't like its own specific image, okay. but I didn't get asked package. So it wasn't a problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for sharing. Um, what is your card system? How did you approach the, the um, double deck event? Um, I actually watched the Nelson Dellis video of how to memorize a deck of cards and then sort of modified it myself. So I had like, I knew all of these techniques before, but I just was like, okay, Grace, it's time to actually, you know, sit down and, um, complete them for yourself. So what I do is I use a combination of person action object, a modified version of that, and then memory palace. So I have my memory palace, which is um, my dad's house. Um, and I, you know, you know, everyone goes to memory palaces, you know, walk through the steps and whatnot. Um, and then for instead of person action object, I do person person and then action slash slash object. So I do them in groups of threes. Um, the first two are two different people. And then the second, the third card is either an action or an object. Um, I was going to do person action object. Um, the way I did it was dividing each dividing the cards, each suit has a category of people. So hearts for me are friends and family, clubs are athletes, spades are musicians, and diamonds are teachers. But I was having trouble thinking of a distinct action and a distinct object for each. So, and I wanted to be able to make the associations very quickly. So I, and it's easier for me to distinguish between people than it is for me to distinguish between similar actions. So I switched it to being two people and one action or object, whatever came easiest to me when I was creating the system. Okay. And then um, I put that one image of the two people and their action or object into a place in my memory palace, you know, knock it in there pretty good and then finish up, come back and check. And that's how I do double deck. Well, that's how I do cards. <laughs> So you um, use memory palaces for cards, but you prefer not to use the memory palace for the other disciplines. So uh, what about numbers or um, any other disciplines? Do you use the memory palace for that as well? Um, uh, so I uh, memory palace, I only use memory palace for cards. 
Um, numbers is something that I've never done orally. I've only ever done it written. So, um, and that was one where I could sort of get by enough on not using memory palace that I never felt the need to train it like in high school. And then like the words disciplines are come really, really easy to me. So, um, I've never had to, like, I've been able to achieve, you know, leaderboard type results in those events without having to use memory palace. Okay. Very nice. So how did you prepare for the U.S. Memory Championship, what what does your uh, typical training schedule look like? I know they had the the long term memory event. So, what did the preparation look like for you? Right. So, um, this year was a, a bit difficult for me in terms of training um, because you know, and I'm in college is a pretty tough semester. I'm also a Thon captain, um, so it's like a philanthropy organization at Penn State, um, which takes up a lot of my time. So I had to really like budget my time and like prioritize. So right after qualifications, I spent a bit of time getting my card system down um, and then sort of putting that to the side because I knew long-term was coming up. So then when the long-term information came out, um, I started out with a schedule of how many data bits I needed to um, memorize every day, giving myself a week buffer because I knew there would be days I wouldn't feel like doing it. So um, I... At the beginning, like the first week and a half, I did do it every day. Um, and I just, you know, sat down for however long I could stand it and um, memorize as much information as I could. I started off with the Pulitzer Prize winners. Um, and then I went to um, the Olympic gold medalist. And then periodic table was sort of my last one. So it did get shafted a little bit. Um, and then it wasn't um, necessary. I don't necessarily have a schedule. Um, I just sort of try and do as much as I can in my free time. Um, the problem was a lot of, you know, obviously everyone's really, really busy. Like people have children and stuff. The difficult thing I think with being a student is that your day-to-day -day activities take up a lot more cognitive power. So it's really easy for me to be fatigued by the end of the day when I actually have time to be doing memory stuff. So that was a bit of a struggle, especially with the long-term but, you know, just sticking it in at lunch between classes when you can was was sort of my schedule. So what is your favorite memory discipline and why? So words, names and faces, images. My favorite one is definitely um, language <clears throat> discipline. So words, words to remember. I was also really good at poetry when we, um, you know, the written poetry. Those were always my favorite. I mean, I'm a linguistics major. Language is and language comes very easily to me so those are those things are just really you know really easy for me to stick my brain I also was pretty good at names and faces and images but numbers and cards like numbers aren't do not stick in my brain so whenever we do tea party I just completely ignore phone numbers because it'll the time it takes to encode that information and to make sure it's sticky is not worth losing like that amount of time when I could have memorized three other things for tea party. So numbers are my least favorite number related events and language word events are my favorite. Okay. So um, you mentioned that you, you study linguistics. So how, how did you get into uh, linguistics? Um, I know there's, I, I know that linguistics is more the scientific uh, study of language, but do you also um, study other languages? Yeah, so I got into linguistics. Uh, so I like could never really figure out what I wanted to do in school. I, I applied to Penn State um, just as 
a liberal arts general undergrad. And then I was um, on YouTube and there's this YouTube channel called Wired and it has all these videos where um, experts come in on a certain topic and critique move, famous movie scenes about that topic. So like a lawyer will, will come in and critique Legally Blonde and they have a linguist on there who critiques people's accents. And, you know, I was watching this bit, video and he starts talking about the international phonetic alphabet and like phonology and why things change and all this stuff and I was like oh my gosh that's what I want to do like that is what I want to study um so it was this guy on YouTube um but yeah I do study other languages I am conversational in Spanish um and I'm currently taking up Italian um but I'm not I'm not a polyglot my focus, my um, studies focus on historical linguistics and phonology are my two favorite subjects within linguistics. Yeah, there are there are a lot of um, uh, memory athletes who are uh, into linguistics and languages, and they also tend to be very good at the the word uh, disciplines. So I, I think that's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's also funny when everyone was saying like they're you know they're their careers or their majors. There's a lot of STEM people. There's a lot of, a lot of math, computer science. Michael, I know is neuroscience, which is just really interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I saw that you had a photo with John Graham and Nelson Dellis. In what ways have they impacted your life or inspired you? Uh, yeah, so first of all, they're both just, you know, really good guys. And I really like that, you know, they're sort of the face of memory sports in certain circles um, because they're super cool people. And it, I like that it's not just like, you know, super nerds. Um, so I it's funny because I met I met Nelson when I was 13 years old and I think John when I was 14. Oh, wow. And like, yeah, so like I was I was pretty young and as I get older and have more competitions with them, we sort of like all grow into our roles like as experienced competitors, which is weird to say because I'm literally 18 years old. But I think this is my my fifth memory championship, which is like more than a lot of other competitors. So, um, so it's there. They've always been very kind to me. You know, they share advice. Um, Nelson offered to train me in cards um, this year. Um, and also. Uh, Nelson specifically, I relate to a lot. He's a mountaineer and, you know, I'm a rock climber. So like stuff like that, the outdoorsy thing. And also he, my dad loves the two of them. And he convinced me my junior year to ask Nelson for a letter of recommendation for school. And I was like, no way. He doesn't know me that well. Like he's not going to do it. He was like, just ask. What's the worst he can say? And I was like, okay, fine. And so I DM'd him on Instagram and he was like, oh my gosh, Grace, I would love to. So Nelson actually helped get me into Penn State. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Um, so what do your friends think about you being into memory sports? Are they interested or do they think it's too nerdy for their taste? Um, kind of both. Uh, I have a lot of friends that like are involved in a lot of different activities. Um, I think people, cause people generally don't know what it is. So it's kind of funny cause they get impressed at like things that like memory athletes wouldn't necessarily consider impressive um but a lot of them are very interested because again it's like not something a lot of people have heard of and I think particularly because you know I, I tend to do well so they're like 
this is such a weird skill, but she seems pretty good at it. Um, they, they get so excited when I like win competitions and stuff. Um, not, not, I not necessarily win, but like do well in competitions and they're always interested to hear about it. But every time I say something, they're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. That's always the response I get. Hmm. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, um, memory athletes always say is that I have a, a normal, an average memory is just a matter of training and techniques. Yeah, totally. So do you apply memory techniques in your studies? And if so, could you uh, give us an example of how one could use it at school? Um, I think a lot of what I do is application-based. So there's not a, a ton of opportunity for rote memorization, but there are um, certain things that's really helpful for, like, for example, memorizing, like, the International Phon Phonetic Alphabet, like, I had to do that, um, you know, memorizing vocabulary words for um, my language classes, and also it's been really helpful to, like, memorize for my performance minor, you know, music, lyrics in different languages that you don't know, um, and, and stuff like that. People comment often that I pick up music quickly, and I pick up words quickly, um, so I think it has definitely helped in that aspect. I can have a performance on Thursday, start memorizing half an hour before, and I'm sure it'll be there when I go to sing. And um, what would you tell a person who is hesitant about competing in the U.S. memory competitions um, to someone who is not sure if they're ready? Um, well, I was not sure if I was ready, and um, I ended up doing pretty well. And I also think that no matter how you end up, like you could literally place last and you will automatically do better next year because of the experience. And I think people very often have trouble replicating the pressure of competition when they're training, which is like a downfall for them. And so getting any competition under your belt is something that's going to be massively helpful for you. And I think it's a reason why I have, you know, been able to do pretty well in like my last couple months. Mm, that's good advice. So if you could give one piece of advice for an aspiring memory athlete, what would it be? Train what you're bad at. I hate cards. Everyone knows I hate cards. I tell Nelson and John day in and day out how much I hate cards, but it's the thing I train the most because if, if you want to be a well-rounded memory athlete, you have to train what you're bad at. I don't touch, I don't touch words during the year. Never once have I trained words because I know I can go in and, and do what I need to do. So just knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and really having the discipline to do things you don't love doing. And is there anything else that you would like to share that hasn't been mentioned? Uh, any closing thoughts? Um, I, I was thinking about this all day. I don't think I could think of any. I just, I mean, I have to shout her out every time. My high school teacher, Mrs. Miller, she's the best. Um, and she, pushed me into this and now here I am. So I'm super excited. Well, thank you, Grace. It was a pleasure speaking with you um, and to have you on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, con congrats on, on being one of the finalists. And are you uh, planning to compete next year? I think I have to now. You can't get second and then quit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, um, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, thanks again for uh, sharing your experience and your advice. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. 
Thanks for listening, and I will be sure to leave a link to the U.S. Memory Championship in the show notes so you can see Grace Smith perform. Hope you all have a good day, and see you all in the next episode.